Dear listeners, are you tired of the endless cycle of fad diets and extreme measures? It's time to wake up to a better weight loss solution with Robody. As someone who's been through the ups and downs of weight loss, I know firsthand the challenge of trying to find what will stick. That's why if I qualified for Robody today, I'd jump at the chance for a scientifically backed program that supports long-term success. With Robody, you'll gain access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market, paired with personalized lifestyle changes. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Row to help them lose weight. Say goodbye to the roller coaster of weight loss dreams and hello to sustainable, real results with Robody. Go to row.co slash snoozecast. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash snoozecast. Welcome to Snoozecast, the podcast designed to help you fall asleep. On Snoozecast, we read excerpts from public domain works and occasionally original stories. We'd like to thank our listeners. If you enjoy our show, please review us on Apple Podcasts and also share it with a friend. The best place to listen to us is on our website, snoozecast.com. That way, you can play a single episode and fall asleep without another one automatically playing. This episode is supported by waking up early and realizing you can go back to sleep for a few hours. Tonight, I'll be reading from the classic adventure story from 1903, The Call of the Wild, by Jack London. The novel is set in Yukon, Canada, during the 1890s Klondike Gold Rush when strong sled dogs were in high demand. The central character of the novel is a dog named Buck. The story opens at a Californian ranch where Buck is stolen from his home and sold into services as an Alaskan sled dog. The story, which was enormously popular at the time of publication, is a tale of survival and a return to primitivism. Let's get cozy. Close your eyes. Relax your body into the softness of your bed. Now, take a few deep breaths. Chapter six, for the love of a man. When John Thornton froze his feet in the previous December, his partners had made him comfortable and left him to get well, going on themselves up the river to get out a raft of saw logs for Dawson. 
He was still limping slightly at the time he rescued Buck. But with the continued warm weather, even the slight limp left him. And here, lying by the riverbank through the long spring days, watching the running water, listening lazily to the songs of birds and the hum of nature, Buck slowly won back his strength. A rest comes very good after one has traveled 3,000 miles. And it must be confessed that Buck waxed lazy as his wounds healed. His muscles swelled out and the flesh came back to cover his bones. For that matter, they were all loafing. Buck, John Thornton, and Skeet and Rex waiting for the raft to come that was to carry them down to Dawson. Skeet was a little Irish setter who early made friends with Buck, who in a dying condition was unable to resent her first advances. She had the doctor trait, which some dogs possess, and as a mother cat washes her kittens, so she washed and cleansed Buck's wounds regularly. Each morning after he had finished his breakfast, she performed her self-appointed task till he came to look for her ministrations as much as he did for Thornton's. Rex, equally friendly, though less demonstrative, was a huge black dog, half bloodhound and half deerhound, with eyes that laughed and a boundless good nature. To Buck's surprise, these dogs manifested no jealousy toward him. They seemed to share the kindliness and largeness of John Thornton. As Buck grew stronger, they enticed him into all sorts of ridiculous games, in which Thornton himself could not forbear to join. And in this fashion, Buck romped through his convalescence and into a new existence. Love, genuine, passionate love, was his for the first time. This he had never experienced at Judge Miller's down in the sun-kissed Santa Clara Valley. With the judge's sons hunting and tramping, it had been a working partnership. With the judge's grandsons, a sort of pompous guardianship. And with the judge himself, a stately and dignified friendship. But love that was feverish and burning, that was adoration. That was madness. It had taken John Thornton to arouse. This man had saved his life, which was something, but further, he was the ideal master. Other men saw to the welfare of their dogs from a sense of duty and business expediency. He saw to the welfare of his as if they were his own children, because he could not help it. And he saw further. He never forgot a kindly greeting or a cheering word and to sit down for a long talk with them. Gas, as he called it, was as much his delight as theirs. He had a way of taking Buck's head roughly between his hands and resting his own head upon Buck's, of shaking him back and forth the while.